You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to a training camp edition of the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. I'm joined here by Andy Herman from Pack-A-Day Podcast. Go check him out. Um, he's been down at camp. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it. So Andy had eyes down there. One of the best eyes I've seen. I follow his Twitter timeline. Um, he gives out great notes when I'm following along during the day. He's up there with, you know, all the newspaper guys that, you know, I have push notifications for. I'm getting it when he's saying like, hey, all these guys are working with the ones today. So go follow him as a resource on Twitter. Go listen to him on the podcast. Uh, say what's up to people, Andy. Hey, uh, what's up? Uh, thanks so much for having me. It is always great talking Packers with you. I think I've told you this in the past, but uh, I think you have one of the really cool, unique uh, football minds that every time I hear you talk about the Packers, I always, it makes me think of it like a, a degree different. And I always love when there's people that can make me think of things a degree different. So uh, you're the best and uh, super looking forward to talking to you today. I'm excited to talk about this because you've had eyes at camp and, you know, you said, you know, you make it, I, I make it. So we think about this like a degree different. Our people have been thinking about it a whole lot in terms of training camp, you know, the, the who's on the roster bubble or not. There are a lot of commenters um, having thoughts on like who actually has a chance to, or to not make this team. I think it is kind of interesting that like this team really in terms of starting spots outside of like the offensive line and, I guess like the nickel defensive tackle, right? Like there's not really that many like starting spots up for grabs. So really like that back end of the roster is really kind of like where we're focusing on, right? Right. I totally agree. I mean, I think maybe like a couple of like the wide receiver positions of like who gets how many snaps I think could probably be up for grabs. Definitely the offensive line. And even that is sort of pending of like when Bakhti, when and if, you know, Bakhtiari comes back, when does Elton Jenkins come back? Um, I think some maybe the the tight end snaps until Tunyon gets back um, a little bit up for grabs. Um, but overall, yeah, you're 100 percent correct. Like it, this is very much we're looking at like spots 48 to 53 a lot more than we're looking at who who's going to be lining up with the starters on on day one. So you brought up Bakhtiari already. Boots on the ground. I, I need a vibe check for Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Like. What what are what are the expectations? I saw you know there were videos of Elton Jenkins working you know ladder drill you know on the on the side um, with the rehab group. I saw I think it might have been you said that you know Kylan Hill was looking yeah. pretty spry out there you know coming off of the ACL injury you know, same time period as you know Robert Tunyon. Like how how are these guys looking in terms of their rehab? Is there anyone that like looks further along than anyone else, or is everyone just kind of at the same pace? Here's what I will say. At this exact same time last year, do you know who looked really, really spry off in the rehab group? David Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari. I have no clue. And I don't think the Packers have a lot of clue at this point. Um, like I would be making stuff up a million percent if I'm like, yeah, I think, you know, Bakhtiari is going to be back on like X day. Like, I don't know that David Bakhtiari and the Packers have a great feel of like what day he's going to be back. Uh, you know, when I'm watching him go through, like he's doing pass sets, getting his knee right and kind of going through the motions of stuff. Um, you know, it looks like it, I would think it's supposed to look like I said with Kylan Hill, I kind of prefaced it of like, as somebody who has no medical training or any, you know, right to even say this basically um, to the naked eye, Kylan, like Kylan Hill was like legit, like cutting on a dime sort of stuff. And like, that gave me a little bit more uh, of something to be like, okay, like this guy's legitimately, you know, legitimately making like 90 degree cuts, like, you know, on a dime. I'm like, I feel a little bit better about where he's at, but like, Tunyon looks really good. Elton Jenkins looks really good. Brian Gutekinds has gone out of his way to say that Elton Jenkins is ahead of schedule, which is great. Um, so, I mean, all of these guys, you know, Christian Watson hasn't really done much work to the side yet. Um, usually it's the rehab guys that get back first. Um, Christian Watson hasn't rehabbed. Keyshawn Nixon hasn't rehabbed. Um, Malik Taylor, I don't think has been doing much rehab to the side. Everyone else has been sort of like in and out of the rehab group, I think. So, 
we'll see. Um, but uh, man, I have no idea at this point. I, I hope sooner rather than later. But uh, I, like I said, I would be making stuff up a million percent if I'm like, yeah, I think Bakhtiari will be back by X date. Let's talk about the running back unit first in terms yeah. of the units. Because um, I think the quarterbacks pretty cut and dry. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the starter. Jordan Love is going to be the backup. You know, that that's they'll keep a quarterback on the practice squad. Who knows if they add another one? They keep working out quarterbacks. Um, yeah. I guess I guess we'll see, you know, moving forward. But the running backs, I feel like is the first position where maybe there's a roster spot up for grabs, right? So Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon are obviously gonna make the team. Who knows about Kylan Hill, right? Like we just talked about his injury. Um, I really like what Patrick Taylor brought to the table as, you know, a running back for last year. You know, he yeah. actually got like NFL snaps, you know, at the end of the season, and he looked like he belonged in the NFL. Like, you usually just don't move away from a guy like that. He could play special teams, too, which is always nice. Um, Tyler Goodson was a guy that that everyone seemed to be really excited about. You know, obviously, Packerland, they're watching a bunch of Big Ten West games, and they obviously saw, you know, Goodson uh, make some impact for the Hawkeyes over the last couple of seasons. You know, the immediate response when he signed with the Packers was like, everyone's saying like I can't believe that guy wasn't drafted right so like they're fairly high expectations for you know yeah. an undrafted rookie whatever that means um pass catcher out of the backfield is kind of like the the selling point on him have you seen you know obviously you know most people are watching the ones and stuff like that but like w- when the twos are going like is there any difference between like Taylor and Goodson uh, is anyone getting more snaps than the other at this point I know Taylor just went on DNP uh, for the first time, you know, uh, this practice we're recording it Wednesday, August the third. He might be back by the fourth. Who knows? Um, but he was not practicing today. So yeah, he didn't practice on Wednesday. Um, there's a clear cut. I think, like you mentioned, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are going to be the one and two get a lot of playing time. I think if everyone's healthy, Kylan Hill is the clear cut number three, and then it's sort of everyone that's battling for that number four. Um, with Hill being on the pup list, I think there's a decent chance he still starts the season on the pup list, and then they sort of make that decision as time goes on, uh, which could open up a number three spot uh, between Taylor Goodson and Baylor. It does. It hasn't seemed like there's been um, a, like a favorite of the group it seems like they're rotating pretty regularly um and all of them bring something you know very different to the table um i'm with you i really like patrick taylor anyone who's listened to me before knows that like i think he's super underrated he is a big dude he catches the ball incredibly you know clean um had had there not been a aj dylan on the roster everyone would be looking at patrick taylor and being like holy cow that is a big freaking dude um just so happens that they have a you know aj dylan that's just an absolute beast on the roster so nobody really looks at patrick taylor um he hasn't that said he has not done almost anything in camp so far, has uh, struggled to get any momentum going. Um, you know, a lot of that when you're rotating in with the twos and the threes, it's tough to really kind of get that. But um, I'm with you. I thought he played really well a season ago, played some on teams. And we'll see if he can kind of win that spot. I, I feel like Tyler Goodson is um, maybe maybe not the best, but I think he brings a unique skill set to the table. He's a very, very clean catcher out of the backfield. You can just tell that it comes very naturally to him. Uh, he has the best burst of the three by far. I feel like he's the best vision and cut guy of the three where like you will see him see a hole cut on a dime, get upfield, like just perfect system fit. Right. Um, and then BJ Baylor uh, runs behind his pad, uh, runs behind his pads really well. He had a couple runs this week where he set up the defenders really, really well, and then cut to the outside and was able to get a bigger gain out of it. But more importantly, uh, showed up twice in pass pro drills yesterday, really impressively blitz comes up the middle and he just stones his guy, uh, which of course we know is like that number three back can be really important. If you want to try to get on the field, you better be able to uh, pass protect, especially for Aaron Rodgers. So um, I think all of them bring something different to the table. Um, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this justice, because I've sort of pitched this um, to a couple different people. I've pitched this on the podcast as well. If Kylan Hill starts on the pup list and we know like they could potentially keep seven wide receivers, they could want to keep extra linebackers. There's a couple positions that you, you start getting pretty heavy, pretty quick. If I'm green Bay, I feel fairly confident that if I cut Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson and BJ Baylor, none of them are getting claimed. Maybe one of them does. Even if one of them does, I'm probably not losing too much sleep over it, but I probably feel pretty good that I can get all three back on my practice squad. And if that's the case, 
Um, I don't necessarily hate going with Dylan and Jones um, as your two running backs to free up an extra spot, knowing that you can elevate a guy up from the practice squad three weeks. That gives you nine weeks of elevations with three guys on your practice squad and probably Kylan Hills back before that. And you add him on the 53 as soon as he's healthy. So um, I think Brian Gutekunst maybe could get creative there, um, but otherwise it's just sort of like an eye of the beholder of like what type of flavor they want as that number three back. Yeah, that's actually an interesting perspective. Like, I, I hadn't thought about that as, like, kind of rotating those running backs as elevation guys until Kylan Hill comes back. You know, they did that with wide receiver. They've done that with, you know, offensive line uh, frequently, and the COVID era rules are going to stay, which is basically, what is it? You can elevate, what, three, two or three guys? From, it's two from, or three. I don't know off the top of my head, but you can elevate them for up to three weeks. So yeah. you got three running backs. you got nine weeks covered, and you would think Kylan Hill would by far be back by then. The one tough sell, I'm I'm just thinking from like I know from like an agent's perspective, like the Patrick Taylor thing, that might be a tougher sell to get him back onto the practice squad. Um, just because once a guy gets burned with the team and then he gets released, it kind of gets looked at as like, well, he got a shot with this coaching staff. They didn't like him enough. Let's see if we can get him a look with someone else. Like often when guys get released and you see them sign with a, like a, a veteran who's played for a team and he signs with another practice squad. It's not because he didn't get an offer to be on the practice squad with his original team. It's just like, it, it's kind of uh, taking yeah, no, a long look and being like, we need to change kind of our perspective. The other thing I would say too, is I know we have expanded practice squads, but you know, with injuries and everything else, like the practice squads are there to be kind of like tackling dummies for, for the team. I don't know if fair. you have the numbers for, to keep, you know, three, three on the team. That, that's, yeah, the no, that's fair. I would say. You know, just that obviously just an option. Like I said, I think they're, I think if they do keep a third and more likely than not, they do keep a third. Um, like I said, I just, I think it's what each run, each one of these running backs brings to the table. Um, mm -hmm. I think Patrick Taylor probably has a little bit more that he kind of brings, but you know, Tyler Goodson might be the highest upside of any of the three. And then BJ Baylor just very well-rounded and better probably at blitz pickup than Goodson. So um, I think again, that that'll be an interesting one. I think preseason will probably decide that if they do keep one of those three. Goodson's interesting to me because he almost reminds me of like uh Jawan Winfrey situation last year with the Packers, where it was like if we needed a wide receiver five, whatever it was, five or six, like it was obvious that the guy that they wanted on the field was Winfrey, but there were guys ahead of him on the actual 53-man roster at the wide receiver position who weren't there to necessarily play wide receiver, like Amari, who's you know, I guess offensively, like taking like a redshirt year, if you want to think about it like that, but he was there to return punts, right? And yeah. then Malik Taylor, who was there to gun punts and, and play vice and play special teams and stuff like that. But when you got to like the Arizona game or whenever, you know, Winfrey did get called up, he outsnapped both of them offensively, right? Yeah. So I, I could see a situation where it's like, yeah, well, if we needed a running back three, we'd take Goodson, but because Taylor can play special teams, that's really what we want that role to be because we already have, you know, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon ahead of him with Kylan Hill coming up the pike. Exactly. Totally agreed. And I think that could easily be for a lot of these positions of, you know, who, who does Rich Passaccio want? And I, you, you could look at it as Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur and say like, who do you want between Taylor Goodson and Baylor? And they like, we like all of them. So they go to Rich and be like, who do you like out of Taylor Goodson and Baylor? And they're, you know, they're like, yeah, we like Taylor and like, all right, we'll yeah. keep Taylor. Um, wide receiver, obviously a massive point of contention at this point. This morning, uh, again, we're recording on Wednesday. Um, this morning, Brian Gutekunst said, hey, Amari Rogers, you really like what he's doing on the field. And yeah. that seems very counterintuitive to kind of all the snap breakdowns we've really seen from camp. It doesn't seem like Amari's really working with the ones nearly, at least nearly as much as even guys like uh, Jawan Winfrey. Um, on the offensive side and then on special teams you know all of his spots are open competitions I guess is is the way to put it yesterday I guess was a bad day for special teams you know Matt LaFleur went on a rant about the jugs machine saying yep. you know the, the ball wasn't turning over right and there was some wind um, I heard there was a you know round of applause when when Dobbs actually was able to field one cleanly yesterday so not a great day for special teams but I do think that that's an interesting pivot point right like Amari Rogers, does he make the team? Does he not make the team? Because you would think that Lazard, Watkins, Cobb, Watson, Dobbs, at least those, what, one, two, three, four, five, at least those five 
have a chance to make it over him. And that's not including kind of like special teams impact, right? Because, yeah. you know, a guy like Malik Taylor made the roster being a special team guy. Uh, Danny Davis has gotten some shots returning punts. Samari Toure was a guy who was drafted in the seventh round. Juwan Winfrey was already ahead of Amari Rodgers in terms of uh, snaps last season on the offensive side of the ball. And he's getting reps with the ones right now. So what's like the temperature check on Amari Rodgers is like roster status. Cause it feels like we're getting like two different uh, influences at this point. Like Goot seems to want him. The coaches seem to be playing everyone ahead of him. Yeah. And there could just be a disconnect there. You know, sometimes, you know, scouting guys like their guys and sometimes coaches yeah. just like their guys. And there could just be a legitimate disconnect between the two. I I'm under the, like the feel that Amari will be a lock for this roster. I will say that like, this is like, you can never totally trust a GM because this could be like, yeah, we love Amari, like come trade for him right now. We would gladly take a fifth round pick for him so that we can free roster spots for Winfrey and Toure. Right. So like, yeah, of course he's always going to want to, you know, pitch his guys as like amazing just to always, you know, build strength in them. And again, hopefully other teams come calling, um, but I would, I tend to believe that Amari will be on the team. I've been under the belief this entire off season that I think green Bay was a lock to keep seven wide receivers. I'm not quite there anymore. I do think Cobb Lazard, Watkins, Watson, Dobbs, and Amari are the six, the top six. And then I do think number seven could come down to sort of special teams. And if they want, you know, sort of that specialist on the team, I, I basically view this as they're going to keep six receivers and Randall Cobb is Aaron Rodgers' friend. And he's, he's, yeah. he just happens to be a wide receiver and he's like locked into a roster spot. And that doesn't mean that he's not going to play. I think that he will. Um, but that's kind of how I've looked at it. Um, and I, but right now, like Samari Toure hasn't done anything during camp and that could turn around at any given time. And if he has a good uh, preseason, like all of a sudden, you know, he would be my bet to make the seven. As you mentioned, like Jawan Winfrey, not great on teams. He's a pretty good wide receiver, but they have six guys that are probably going to play ahead of him as a, as a pure wide receiver. So they don't really need a wide receiver in that spot. Malik Taylor's been out this entire time. Um, he's probably the best special teams guy of the, the, the remaining of probably any of them. Right. Um, so they could just keep him as a special teams guy as the seven, but he hasn't played. And it just seems like he's probably behind the eight ball at this point to make the team. I think Danny Davis is probably a, uh, a lock to make the practice squad and, uh, and maybe Mitchell or Hyman can crack a, a practice squad at best. Um, but I, for the whole time I've thought seven, now I'm thinking like, maybe they could just go six and try to get, you know, Toure and maybe even, you know, Malik Taylor, Jawan Winfrey back on the practice squad. Um, but otherwise to me that, that, that seven spot is between Toure, maybe Malik and probably Winfrey. Yeah. The, the Toure thing is interesting too, because he was supposed to be kind of a guy who was, supposed to help on special teams like mm -hmm. it, that that's one of the big things that he did he had some pretty good you know punt coverage reps and stuff like that and he, he could play gunner with the speed that he has but they have so many of these uh corners right like corners that are you know the the fourth fifth sixth guys like even gafford who who switched over from wide receiver back to cornerback who are making impacts there that like two is not even getting snaps it seems like from what i've been able to gather you know, with the ones on special teams. And that's where it's like, oh, okay. He's like behind the eight ball then. Like yeah, I pretty far we, behind. When we get to defense, we're going to talk a lot of guys that I think are going to have a real good chance to stick based off of special teams. On wide receiver, I think it's or excuse me, just in offense in general, I think it's a little bit more tough. Again, maybe one of those number three running back spots, maybe number seven wide receiver comes down to Toure and Taylor and who can play better teams and those sort of things. We also know that Goot doesn't really like cutting his draft picks either, right? So, yeah. you know, maybe they do keep seven and Toure is that spot and they think that he can be, you know, if, you know, even if Malik Taylor is like a, a B plus as a gunner and they feel like Toure can be a B minus you know that they feel like the upside at wide receiver is ultimately worth the the difference there so um i would lean if, if they kept seven today i would lean i would probably lean Torre, um but i definitely think winfrey would be in the conversation as well um and then i like i said dobbs watson rogers cobb lazard and, and watkins are are locks well what let's talk about watkins for a second because okay. i think i think he's a lock and we've heard both lafleur and rogers talk very clearly about like you know, we have a very big role for him lined up in the offense. It seems like Rogers is very, uh, you know, excited about the idea of playing with Sammy Watkins. Um, I, to me, like, I'm like 98% sure that he's going to make the team, but the, the contract is set in a way where like, if all of a sudden like Dobbs is like 
you know, that lives up to the hype and Watson comes back and he looks really good and they're bullish on Amari Rogers and Cobb can't go anywhere. And Lazard is that guy. And then maybe they really like one of these other players. And they only want to keep six and we know how tight money is like, I I'm like, I said, 98% sure that Watkins makes it. I wouldn't put it as like a lead pipe lock, but what do you think there's any chance he doesn't make it? Or do you think he's a lock? No, I, I mean, I definitely think that there's a possibility. I don't know how likely it is. Yeah. Um, I definitely think, you know, the Dobbs breakout definitely puts him a little bit more at risk, but you know, we haven't heard anything about like, you know, Watkins is just looking sloppy on the field no. and like all that no. stuff either. But I, I do agree. Like, yeah, if he were wide receiver five, which like, could happen like if Christian Watson comes back and he just looks crazy he has great chemistry with Rodgers Dobbs does too I could see a situation like that but I, I just don't know how likely it is the one thing I have a question about is so we all know Randall Cobb most of his production was obviously out of the slot as like a third round type or a, a third down type of guy um, the Packers last year kind of used Lazard as like a slot guy uh, on early downs so who's outside right now is Lazard lining up outside? And, yeah, and Lazard's doing a lot outside. Dobbs is doing a ton outside. And then Sammy Watkins is doing a lot of outside, okay. as is Winfrey. Uh, I mean, they're moving everyone around, but I would have, I have a feel that like Christian Watson would play some outside as well. Um, I think, you know, I think Cobb would play inside. Obviously, Amari would play inside. And then I think you would see, you know, Lazard, probably even Dobbs, you know, maybe get some time inside. But um, I think Cobb and probably Cobb, Lazard and, and Amari would probably be the top three that would get inside reps, I would think. Okay. That's just one question I had because I, I hadn't really seen that broken down anywhere. And I was like, I know Lazard played inside last year. And I yeah, did. We looked he up the stats well and a, a ton of his production like some of the highest in the league you know in terms of you know snaps uh relative to targets for inside versus outside so he was and getting I, I outside think, snaps but he wasn't really producing there and i think honestly that is one of the ways where if if dobbs is dobbs if he's if he lives to the hype um yeah. why that could be so beneficial because i think then you potentially have Watkins and dobbs on the outside and then that gives you the ability to move lazard inside and move him around a little bit more whereas like all of a sudden if like if Dobbs is, you know, just is, doesn't live up to it and, and Watson is still hurt or, you know, takes time to sort of acclimate to the offense. Now all of a sudden, like you're basically forced to play Cobb, Lazard and Watkins a ton. And now like basically Cobb has to be inside and Lazard and Watkins have to play outside uh, more often than not. And I just think that's probably not ideal. So I, I do think that this potential Dobbs, you know, emergence could be very, very big for the offense. As far as the tight ends go, the, the biggest question really to me is, and this is all dependent on Tunyon coming back, but do you think Dominic Daphne has any chance to stick on the 53 once Tunyon comes back? Because, you know, they obviously have Lewis. He's going to be their, you know, hand in the dirt run yep. blocker, right? Tyler Davis seems like the next type of guy in that mold, but he can give him a little bit of cast pass catching ability. Tunyon's the move around guy, right? Like he's going to be in the slot on third down. He's going to be the highest uh, producing uh, tight end in terms of receiving yards and all that. Deguara plays off the ball. He has like his own package, basically. Daphne kind of does a little bit of what Deguara does and is like a smaller version of like the run blocker that Mercedes is. Not not to compare a 38-year-old to a guy who's, you know, on an undrafted rookie contract, but Daphne does seem like the guy who's kind of the odd man out if Tyler Davis is now in the mix and Davis and uh, Deguara both passed him in terms of snaps by the end of the season. Like it seemed really like, the Baltimore Ravens game was really when the switch flipped for everything. Yeah. So I'm mostly with you here. I think Tanyan's clearly the one if healthy Mercedes Lewis is clearly your blocking tight end. And then I think everything else gets a little bit um, interesting after that. I think Tyler Davis is the next man up. I don't think he's had like a great camp. I think he's at an okay camp. I think there's still probably things that they would like him to do better. I think he's a very, 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 very strong bet to make the team. It, like if all of a sudden you told me today, like, Oh, Tyler Davis was the odd man out. I'd been like, man, that's surprising. And I thought there was a lot of upside there, but it like wouldn't completely blindside me either just because I've seen the Packers cut weirder players in the past. So um, I, but I, I expect him to make it. And I think if Tunyon's not ready week one, I, I, I still lean that Tyler Davis is probably tight end one up until the point where Tunyon comes back. So I think he's probably got that spot. And then like, 
I, I just can't fathom. And DeGuarres actually had a pretty good camp too. And I felt like when he caught that pass in the back of the end zone against Minnesota, he had that like 60 plus yarder against Detroit on the tight end screen from Jordan Love. I felt like towards the end of last year, he was starting to, you know, kind of get back from that ACL injury and pick things up a little bit. And like I said, I feel like he's had a pretty good camp. I think he's going to make, I, I just can't imagine they cut a third round pick um, this early already. And then that becomes the question of like, all right, if all four of those guys do and, and once Tunyon's back, like, are they willing to keep five tight ends? And Daphne's probably the best fullback slash H back. I think of the group um, just based on his size and what he's able to do. I think he's a little bit more physical at the point of attack than what DeGuara is. Um, so I think that's probably um, you know, what could potentially give him a spot. He's pretty good on special teams too. So I think it's within the realm of possibility, but again, that's where you have to start looking at of like, he's probably not fighting the tight ends on the roster. Cause again, I think those guys are probably all going to make it. That's where it's like, all right, do you want to keep one of those guys as a seventh wide receiver? Or do you want to keep Daphne as a fifth tight end? Do you want to keep that third running back or pull guys up from the practice squad? Or do you want to keep Dominique Daphne? So, um, and it's possible too. Like, I don't know how many teams are going to line up for Dominique Daphne. If he gets released, Green Bay yeah. could feel like, Hey, we'll get him back on the practice squad and we can elevate him when we actually need that type of player. Um, but I, I do think he's sort of the pivot point on that team of like, all right, is there five guys or not? Yeah. Daphne's going to be a big one where it's like, I mean, tight end is such a scheme fit position in terms of like roster building for the NFL. Like green Bay is actually pretty unique in that they have all these guys. It's like a basketball room, right? It's like, yeah. Hey, you, you know, you play the five, you play the one you're, you know, uh, you're a wing all that stuff but a lot of teams like they just want one type of guy they're like we just need an inline tight end because that's all we're gonna do we need you know look at uh a team like miami right like they're just hey we're gonna line that tight end out out, out wide right and then you have teams like green bay or uh the raiders or you know the niners kansas city when they have to get in their their 12 personnel stuff um where you need a bunch of different type of guys just because like you have an entire room of role players instead yeah. of like well-rounded guys, I guess is, is the way to make sense of it. Um, to the point that like Daphne wouldn't be a fit for everyone across the league, for sure. Agreed. As far as the offensive line goes, the big question at this point, right? So the, the people who are getting reps with the ones um, at this point in terms of starters, Josh Nyman, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Jake Hansen, Royce Newman, Zach Tom, and then Cole Van Lennon is, uh, flirting in there, getting rotated in, was seeing more snaps earlier than he is now. Kind of seems like he's fallen to the wayside a little bit. But that doesn't include Sean Ryan at all. And you would think that, you know, third-round rookie um, with an open guard position and a potentially open right tackle position, this guy was playing left tackle for UCLA last year. You'd think he would have gotten snaps, but it's actually Zach Tom who's been moving around everywhere, playing three different positions so far. Yeah, no, that's a that's 100% accurate. I, I keep waiting for Ryan to maybe get a, a shot at, with the ones and just to sort of see what he can do because uh, let's just be real, the, the line without Jenkins and Bakhtiari has not looked good so far. And I think those offensive tackle positions, um, they're really going to have to figure out. I think Nyman and maybe even Zach Tom, I think could fill in for a little bit. It, I, ideally, if maybe there's only one of them in there, but like when you start having two guys on your tackles that are a little bit more question marks, it's just like, I've talked about this um, with a couple of people in the past, but like I always view a, a top five of your offensive line, like a top five rotation in baseball, right? Like you need your ACE and you need your number two to like go every five days and pitch really, really well. And with Bakhtiari and Jenkins, you had your two top line guys that like play in and play out. You knew that they were just going to play really, really well. And you didn't have to worry about them. And then like three, four, five, you can get around, you know, a little bit more uh, with mixing and matching some guys if you need be, but like all of a sudden you go from Bakhtiari and Jenkins as your one and two to like what John Runyon Jr and Josh Myers as you're wanting to yeah. and it's just a totally different uh feel to that offensive line so um I, I'm still you know potentially hopeful that at some point Sean Ryan gets in that conversation he hasn't been there yet I don't think he's looked bad with the twos um but that'll be one worth watching Zach Tom very very intrigued to see what he can do especially in preseason with uh you would think he would get some pretty legitimate snaps during preseason and then just like they're moving everyone around every single day. So like John running juniors, the left is at left guard. Myers is at center. Everyone else is moving around and it's something new every single day. So, um, you know, they're going to have to try to like probably eliminate some of those guys. And like you said, you can tell Cole Van Landen starting to wean off a little bit. Maybe Sean Ryan starts getting in that conversation. But um, right now it seems like Runyon Myers, Newman, Hanson, 
Tom are and and Niam and excuse me are are probably the ones that are really in the conversation for the starting spots. This was a big point of contention when APC when we put out the uh, APC roster bubble uh, post. Is Jake Hansen a roster lock? Lock, no, but I would say he's a very very good bet. I think they view him as their next Lucas Patrick. Quite honestly, yep. um, I think he's going to be their interior center slash guard. I don't think he's going to get the starting spot. Um, I don't know how it ends up. Quite honestly, if let's say there's no Bakhtiari and no Jenkins week one. I would guess, I would guess Yash and, and Tom are at tackle. I would probably guess Newman's at right guard. And then I would guess Myers and Han- and um sorry, Myers and John Running Jr. are the other two. That's probably what I would go with today. But um I do think that Hansen is a very good bet. But like it's so hard to tell in these situations, right? Because we had Ben Braden a season ago that was basically working with the ones. He, he was well, getting left tackle snaps with the ones in OTAs, didn't make the team. Yeah. And, and I even think like, maybe I'm wrong, but I even think like into training camp, he got some reps with the ones and it was still like enough to make you believe like, all right, he's probably not going to start, but like, he's definitely making this team. They, they put way too much into him already this off season. Um, I think that more could be Cole Van Lannan, uh, to be honest, is the, is could potentially be this year's uh, Ben Braden where you saw him get snaps at the ones and then he just works his way out and eventually doesn't make the team. I'm not saying that is going to be the case, but if you told me there was one of those, I would lean more in that direction. Um, Jake Hansen is rookie season. When he, when he came to, to camp, I'm like, there's no way he looked like a freshman trying to play, you know, varsity. Like it was just, you would tell there was a difference. And then last year he came back, I thought in much better, uh, like he looked like a guard. And then when he got like, he only got like a handful of snaps, but like, mm-hmm. even when he played the handful of snaps, he looked, he, the, he didn't look overwhelmed or anything like that. And he's looked pretty good in camp so far. So I would definitely lean highly to him making the team, but um, I, I still wouldn't just like say like, yep, he's, he's got a spot. No question about it. Two points here. First, Ben Braden, great example of a guy who wanted a change of pace, right? And, and yeah, switch teams point. after getting a look on, on a practice squad. Like to a certain extent, once you're with a coaching staff for a long enough time and you, and you don't make that jump up to the 53-man roster, they just start thinking to themselves like, I, I just need to change the scenery, right? Which is smart, honestly. And then two, Jake Hansen, you, you look at kind of, what the center depth looks like and that's what really sells me on Jake Hansen it's not necessarily him being potentially a week one starter at right guard right like a lot of things would have to break right there Zach Tom has played center but he's getting looks now you know at left and and right tackle um Michael Manette who was on the practice squad I believe last year uh I I saw a tweet that said you know he was snapping high all twice a, Twice a bunch. Practice. like not just high like well over their head to the point where they couldn't get in it resulted he, in a fumble. he played center in college it's, it's yes. not like this is you know something that's new to him like they're transitioning him inside. Right. i remember uh back in college one of the pounces left florida and then the other pounce he took over as center and he had previously played guard and yeah. that entire year it was just rocket snaps and it's just like why are you guys playing him here and then cole schneider um you know <laughs> undrafted undrafted rookie free agent from uh, UCF, he's a you know combo guard center. Uh, he messed up his foot this past yeah. day, and he, he's in a walking boot. So the center depth is really depleted. I mean, if if Tom is out there playing tackle, you're gonna have to make a decision of like, no, we have to move one of our tackles to center if there's an injury. And it's like, I don't know if that's the smart thing to do. Like, yeah, no, and, and Hanson can be the like. That's why I say I think he's their next Lucas Patrick. I think he's gonna be their swing guard you know, guard center for the, you know, probably the next couple of seasons. And I think he can play well in that role. I, like, again, Lucas Patrick took a few years to get to, you know, being a starter. And even then he's going to be your you know number five starter at best, but works really well as sort of a rotational guard center. I think Hanson can get there. And to your point, like Myers is a true center. And then I don't trust Manette snapping. Uh, Cole Schneider's hurts. Ty Clary's not going to be it. Um, and then you've got Elton eventually who could play that. But like, I don't think you want to just like, nail him down to center either should something happen to Myers. So yeah, you know, even looking at it in that, like I would, I would put him as a, a pretty darn close lock to make the roster, even in that backup role. I did see that they were giving, I don't know if it was like actual reps or if they were just having him snap before practice, but I did see that like they had Runyon yep. out there looking at, looking at that stuff. And then they even had him as a long snapper at one point. I, I, I saw I that. I think that's an emergency ago. long snapper. Although I thought Tipo was that guy. 
That's then what t- I figured. Then t- yeah. I don't know why running. Like, I don't know if that's like a, listen, the special teams is very clearly practicing for like all scenarios. And I don't know if that's a scenario where like clock is running down and like you, you've got like 10 seconds left and the only player that can get on the field is the kicker. <laughs> and like, we're going to keep Rogers as a holder and Runyon's going to be the snapper. And we're yeah. just like winging everyone else. Like, I don't, I don't know if they're like, you know, just preparing for every single scenario. Um, but I would have assumed that Tipa would have just kept that emergency role. Uh, but yeah, I don't know why he was in there other than that. Who knows? Maybe he just wanted to try it, but, um, but yeah, definitely he has got some snaps at center. And then, like, this is an offensive line, um, you know, philosophy where like almost everyone's going to cross train everywhere at some point, unless you're Bakhtiari, like you're going to get reps at pretty much every position. So I think that's just, again, emergency depth. And I think he can play a little bit of that as well, but I, I don't think they want to be moving John running junior around. He found his spot at left guard to me that just, just keep him there and don't, don't mess with it too much. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to be in for a big year this year. Um, let's take a break before we go to the defensive side. Uh, I know we're running a little long, so I want to get you out of here, but let's take a real quick break before we run through it quickly. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right. So on the defensive side, this is where I think some of this becomes a little bit more interesting. On the offensive side, I think there are fewer people who have a legitimate chance to make the roster. I guess it's like there, there are more people who are roster locks on the offensive side than the defensive side. But the net on the defensive side is just so much wider because of that. And because generally outside of a few positions, I think they have a lot more depth. So like on the defensive line, it seems like the clear locks, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Jerron Reed, TJ Slayton are working with the ones, Devontae Wyatt at times working with the ones, sometimes working with the twos. My big question is like, do they keep a sixth? Because the, the big question, I guess, is like Heflin, um, the kid that they drafted out of Miami in the seventh round, I forget his name. I, I didn't like Ford. his Jonathan Ford. I did not like his film very much, so I didn't even write him up on the site, uh, it, you know, I, as we were going through the summer, cause I didn't know what to write other than like, I don't know. He's big. I don't think he's good, but he's big. Um, do you think there's any chance that like a six defensive lineman makes it because five seems like a low number, but they've kept a low number before. To be, to be fair. I haven't gone through like the roster gymnastics yet of like, all right, what happens? Like, where do I have to skim elsewhere if I can't keep a six right. defensive lineman? So with that in mind, I have sort of Jonathan Ford penciled in as the sixth defensive lineman. He's made a couple flash plays that just give me the feel of like, they're going to like his body type and like his size and his strength. And the the fact that he's flashed um, into the backfield a couple of times. And I think he could play like, I think you could play 10 snaps a game in a rotational defensive line role, and you could actually get something out of him in that position. And I think ultimately, I know they've got a good line ahead of him, but I think that could have value. Uh, also, I feel like Heflin's had a better camp than he had uh, a season ago and he made the roster a season ago. Um, nice. I, That's I, good to hear. You know, so um, th- I think those are the two that are battling for the six. I think there's a world in which they go with just five, 
Um, but I, I, to me, I would lean towards them keeping Jonathan Ford and trying to get Heflin back on the practice squad if I were betting today. Um, yeah, I think that's the way I would go. But five isn't out of the realm of possibility either. And this is going to be big for those defensive linemen too because, I mean, it's so hard before the pads come on to be able to tell like what these guys have. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's going to be in the, the preseason coming up. The, the funny thing of Jonathan Ford, I'm sure you probably caught this as well, but I was shocked at this, what, six, whatever, 330 pound, whatever defensive lineman. And they didn't use him in goal line defense or in short yardage defense. Like they didn't trust this big man, like to yeah. be on there. Like would your, to your point of like him not having good college tape, like here's this mammoth human being and they just didn't trust him on goal line situations. Like it was crazy, but yeah, I, I've been relatively impressed so far with what he's actually done in camp. Yeah. And they have found a way to develop some of these guys who just, they they're high weight speed guys like it's just yeah. their body like you pointed out jake hansen like when jake hansen was i'm an oregon ducks fan when jake hansen was drafted i was like really that guy he's an nfl draft pick that's kind of surprising you yeah. know looking at that entire offensive line that crystal ball had had built up and stuff so maybe he needs a year or something before he gets on the field but i guess we'll see as far as the edge rushers go Rashawn gary preston smith obviously you know roster locks will start seems like a big mix of names after that it seems like Ladarius Hamilton, Tipanalia are are getting uh, reps with the ones Kingsley and Igbare, who I believe what is he? He goes by like KJ or something. He, really? I don't even I didn't even hear that. I don't I don't know. He doesn't go by Kingsley for some reason. Okay. Um, but they're getting reps, or he he's getting rotated in with the ones, and then obviously Randy Ramsey just returned from that ankle injury. Um, have you ever have you been able to get a look on like what those guys off the bench? are going to be able to do because that's really my biggest worry for the team. I think the weakest spot in terms of the depth where it's like one injury goes down, someone has to come in and be a 16, 17 now game starter. The worst point for that injury to happen is the edge rushing position to me. Yeah. Offensive line is probably my one, a concern with Bakhtiari and Jenkins right now. I think they have a potential answer to that, right? Like if Bakhtiari and Jenkins just come back healthy, you're, you're clear. Like they got, they got line. 10 guys when your 10th guy is Sean exactly. Ryan, you're like, okay, we're, we a have million NFL percent. bodies at least. Yeah. So you like all of a sudden that goes from like a, like a real question mark to a strength, like in a second, if those two guys become healthy. So they have potential answers to that concern on the roster at edge rusher, man, if like Rashawn Gary would go down for any extended period of time, I just don't know how they make up for that loss on defense because like all of these guys, if like you told me they were the fifth edge rusher, I'd be like, yeah, okay. You know, develop this guy as a fifth, like as a three or a four, I have question marks. Personally, I think this is going to be Ladarius, Tipa and Inigbari as your three, four and five if if they don't add anyone else at the last minute here, um, and I'm quite frankly, based on the free agents available, I'm not even sure who they would possibly look at at this point, but um, that's, that's who I expect it to be. I think all three of them get random snaps here and there. I think Ramsey's just going to have a really tough time coming back from injury. Um, it was a pretty serious injury. I think it's going to be something where maybe if he just balls out on special teams, it can show enough as an edge rusher, but I just think it's going to put him behind the eight ball of Tipa, Ladarius and Enigbare. Um, I think yeah, um Garvin had a really nice practice the other day. Um, him him struggling a lot a season ago and then not showing up to some of the OTA and mini camp practices, I just feel like is going to be tough for him to overcome. Um, so I'm leaning Tipa, Kingsley, and Ladarius here. Ladarius and Tipa had a really, really nice day the other day. I think Kingsley's going to take a year, to be honest. And maybe once the pads yeah. come on and preseason starts, maybe he starts showing out a little bit more. He did get his first reps with that second group, um, and he has gotten a couple reps with some ones. Um, but I, I just think it's going to take a little time for Kingsley. Such a weird position because I would have thought, you know, Tipa after the Niners game in the playoffs where they weren't even really running at him, but I thought that they could have based off of kind of like his play strength. I mean, he's listed at 230. And then once you started seeing him playing through the wear and tear of an NFL season, it was like he's getting his butt kicked. And I, was, I, I, I would have thought he wouldn't have been able to make the roster, you know, at the start of this offseason. I would, I would have said, you know, they'll do something where they have enough edge rush, rush step and he might be the next starter. He like, might be might the three. Be, yeah. He yeah. might be the next guy up. There was a really fun uh, battle between um, uh, who the heck was it? It was uh, uh, Caleb Jones, the seven, seven, the big old like, guy. Yeah. Caleb Jones versus Tipa Nalia, like the biggest offensive tackle in football versus like the smallest outside linebacker in football. Hey, Tipa bested him like a couple of times. So like the, well, the small undersized linebacker beat the tall oversized offensive tackle, but the juxtaposition between the two was really fun. The, the Ramsey question 
that that's the one where I'm like, I wish I was at practice to be able to see what Ramsey Ramsey looks like. Um, just because it's such a serious injury. I mean, it was, what was it? Two ligaments and a yeah. bone in his ankle and it took a full year to recover. I mean, he started, he started the, uh, training camp on the PUP and he got, he got pulled off. So that's the one where I'm like, I really wish I could see what your athleticism looks like, because if he can't contribute on special teams, that's not necessarily something that like all these edge rushers can do. Yeah, no, I agree. I was, I watched a couple of his defensive reps and you could like, he's just working the rust off right now. Right. Like he just got stonewalled a couple of times. And like I said, I just think it's going to be a tough, a tough hill for him to climb. I'm not saying he can't do it. And special teams is sort of his ace in the hole. If he can do that really well, um, but he's going to have to excel at that and show at least a little bit as an edge rusher, I think, um, if he wants to make the team. I just think Hamilton, Tipa, Kingsley, even though that I, I don't know how high the upside is for those guys, I just think it's probably higher than Ramsey right now. As far as the inside linebackers go, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker are getting starting reps. It's nice to see Quay cracking that lineup, even though it seems like the team has been fairly conservative with the rookies. I know now we're talking about, you know, Zach Tom just now getting reps, you know, at, at, with the starters, but uh, Devontae Wyatt certainly hasn't been handed uh, the starting job. The, the all of the other rookies have seemed to earn theirs through, throughout uh, training camp, really. Like we're seeing the ascendance of Dobbs and stuff, but quite, quite seemed like he won it real early. Seemed like yep. they're pretty comfortable with him there. The One of the first questions I have at inside linebacker, Chris Barnes, he's working with the twos. They've said that they want him working with the twos because they want him calling plays. Yep. Are are we assuming he's making the roster? Assuming, that, that seems yes. weird. I think because um, Will, Will Bourne and McDuffie are also getting reps with the ones. So you would think like, okay, Barnes is the fifth guy on the inside linebackers depth chart, but that might not be true if they they want him as a play caller and getting reps as a play caller. And that's honestly, I, I said that because um, one of the things I noted is when Wilborn was with the ones and Barnes was on the other side and McDuffie were on the other side playing with the twos. And this was in mini camps and early in training camp. Um, one of the things that I wondered out loud and I talked about it uh, on pack a day was like, I think there's a real legitimate possibility that starting with the twos is better than being a backup with the ones, meaning that like, yeah, you get reps with the ones, but you're only going to get like three or four snaps right. as you rotate in a couple of times. Whereas Chris Barnes is down on the other side, calling play after play after play, getting everyone organized um, and actually playing every snap with the twos on defense. So I do think there's a world where, um, you know, it probably is better in that situation to play with the twos than it is with the ones, just cause you're not getting as much run. Um, I, to me, this is going to come down to if they want, I, I would say, well, obviously Quay and Campbell are making it make to me, McDuffie is going to make it. I believe Barnes is going to make it. And then if they want to keep five, I think it, it goes to Wilborn. I don't think Ellis Brooks or Ty Summers have, uh, I don't think Ty Summers has any chance of making the team. There, there's always like a random player that just like, how the heck did he make the team? And like, you know, maybe like an Ellis Brooks or a, you know, Chauncey Manack or somebody like that can all of a sudden come out of nowhere and make a team. And Manack's an outside linebacker, but um, you know, maybe somebody like that can all of a sudden like make it out of nowhere. But unless that happens with Brooks, I think this is going to be the four that we mentioned, maybe Wilborn at five. And I don't think anyone else is really in the conversation. It's weird because they've had so much turnover on special teams, right? They, they lost um, so many guys in free agency, but Ty Summers is there. He's played a bunch of special teams for us for the last three years. And it seems like he's just, they've just given up on him completely. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I'm just kind of surprised that they were actually willing to elevate a guy like Ray Wilborn to practice with the ones on the defensive side and actually give him special teams reps with the, with the, you know, quote unquote, starting guys, you know, as we're talking August 3rd, but it seems, yeah, it seems like if they're going to make another roster move, like it's probably summers, like cut him. Like he, he's, he's on the last year of his rookie contract, right? He's not going to stick on the practice squad because he's already been on your active roster for three years. He can't really play defense. And if you're not going to use him on special teams, what's the point? So yeah. I feel like he's like the 90, he sh in terms of like making the roster, it feels like he's like the 90th guy. Yeah, no, I, the probably maybe the most shocking player. If you told me he made the 53 right now, it might be Ty Summers. Like that would be, um, there, there's probably a couple other ones, uh, you know, but he'd be down there of, of the, the last people on the roster that I expect to make it. And I'm a huge believer. And, um, you know, we could probably talk about this too, but like, to me, you are valuable until you prove that you don't have value. And Ty mm -hmm. Summers has gotten plenty of looks on defense. He's gotten, gotten plenty burned. of looks on special teams. And like, he's just proven like, 
he can't really hang with either. If he's like your emergency guy at either fine, but like, why are you keeping that guy around in his fourth season? There's no, there's no ceiling. Like he hasn't been able to hang at linebacker or in special teams. Like at that point, you just, you move on and you hope that one of your younger guys like takes the opportunity and runs with it. And even then, I don't even know if you want to play him defensively. Yeah. If, even agreed. if there is injuries, like you could probably, there's other guys on the roster you'd want there. It's, it's uh you deal with multiple injuries and then on special teams, maybe you want him to come in because of he's a big old linebacker who can run a little bit in, in a straight line. Right. That, that's a selling point. Totally um, agree. I cornerback seems like the, the, let me, let me describe the room and you tell me if that makes sense, because this yeah. is how it's come across to me from, from the reports. Jair and Eric Stokes as the starters outside Russell Douglas seems to be playing the slot full time, even, even when, um, you know, Jair isn't necessarily in or something like that. Shamar John Charles came, uh, came out yesterday as an outside corner and Russell Douglas got kicked inside. Seemed like Keyshawn Nixon up until the, uh, up until he had his groin injury, um, seemed like he was going to be corner four, corner five seems to be Shamar John Charles and Rico Gafford, who again is moving back to cornerback from wide receiver after he played corner in college. He was a special teams guy for Rich Passaccia. He's getting looks as a return guy. Um, he seems to be rising up now and is now kind of getting like the corner six role. And those are like the six guys really at the position who have a chance to make it. Does that make sense? I would agree. I think there's a there's an, a world where maybe Gafford and Ento are fighting for number six spot. I think there's um, maybe Gafford just- worries me so much though. I mean, that's another one where I would want to see it because I got the coverage skills. I understand the coverage skills, but even in the preseason, if you watch him like try to make tackles and I understand he's transitioning from wide receiver, yeah. but it was like, you can't put that on it. And like running backs will take advantage of this cornerbacks tackling ability. Yeah. Like that, it, it was bad last year. Yeah, no, I, and here's the other thing too, is like, you have the the question marks with KB and I mean, it's not like he's like a phenomenal cover guy either. Right. It's like, you know, he, he, he plays the ball well in the air and uh, he can do a couple things as a corner, um, but tackling is a major issue, which is going to be an issue on special teams for him as well. It's not like he's a returner like Rico Gafford. And I've mentioned this multiple times in the past. Like if you told me he ended up as like cornerback five on game day with uh, you know, playing gunner, playing jammer, playing kick returner, and maybe even had like a package like that. He, they fake jet sweeps to him as a wide receiver, um, or at least as like a very emergency wide receiver. Like the more you can do on a 48 game day roster, the better. Right. And to me, if like Rico Gafford's like your you know, sixth corner and he can do all of that and be active on game day and provide all of that for you. Plus he's probably the, the field goal block guy on the edge because of his speed. Like he's just going to bring a lot to the table. I would put him as the favorite to win number six. Um, I think Enzo would have to have a, a pretty darn, amazing remainder of camp in order to get in that conversation yeah and Gafford was a 4-2 guy coming out and he seems to have all that speed that, yeah it's that very apparent very quickly speed. that he, he has all that speed um at safety Adrian Amos Darnell Savage obviously going to be the starters it seemed like Sean Davis was running away with the third safety reps um early on in camp but now Vernon Scott is getting some looks they signed uh Don Levitt um who played uh special teams for Basaccia too Seems like he's going to be pushing uh, for a spot on the roster. And then Tariq Carpenter, who's that combo safety inside linebacker, you know, more of an athlete, like an idea than than a real player at this point. But again, you know, Jake Hansen is now being looked at as a starting right guard. So maybe down the line, he, he ends up becoming something, um, was a draft pick, all that. What what do you make of the safety room after the top two? Because Amos and Savage obviously are locks, but then, this is another position, almost like edge rusher, where it's like, oh, if there's an injury here, this could spiral out of control pretty quickly. Yeah, if you told me any of the next five made the team, I wouldn't be shocked. I think they probably keep five safeties, which means two of these guys get cut, and you could probably go um, in almost any direction, and I wouldn't be like, yeah, that. there's no way that happens. I think Sean Davis... Um, and Dallin Levitt are probably the two most likely to make the team. Um, I, j- I don't think Levitt's going anywhere. I Listen, I watched him in coverage the other day, and it was one of the worst things I've ever witnessed in my life. Um, I don't think that he is going anywhere. Like, even reg- like I think he's going to be their core special teamer. Um, yeah. And I, th- I I just think that's Basashi's guy, and I think they're going to give him Levitt and and that's that. I think you, you you take him off of safety, even just put him as a like a special teams guy, and that's what Levitt's and the, and be. the Packers haven't really used 
more than three safeties anyway in games. Like there's never really been a need for that fourth. Like last year, Henry Black got those got those three safety dime reps. And then outside of that, I mean, guys like Vernon Scott, Sean Davis, they were just out there inactive, frankly. Yeah. Like they'd only go into games with three. So and I think Levitt can play it can play specials. That's one more safety than they usually use. Totally agreed. And I think honestly, like even with Quay Walker, I think the need for that third safety is probably even less. I think he's just Quay's gonna play a ton and he's gonna play in the box and they're not gonna take him out much. So um I think that's totally fine. Like I said, I think Davis and Levitt are probably your favorites. And then um you get into a Tariq Carpenter, Vernon Scott in this gains battle. You've got the most recent draft pick versus a guy they literally redshirted all of last season just so they could keep him on the roster and not subject him to waivers and Vernon Scott, despite you know, every safety that got added after the point, including Sean Davis, they would bring up and put him on the active roster before actually activating Vernon Scott and putting him in the game. Um, but they clearly didn't want to, again, put him on waivers. Um, and then Ennis Gaines, who has had a couple of really nice plays and um, just like literally, I, I think it was um, one of the corners. It was Dante Vaughn. He just put into oblivion uh, as a jammer on, on punt return. So he'll show up there too. I, I, I don't know. I would lean Vernon Scott maybe, but like, again, we know he doesn't like cutting draft picks and Ennis Gaines has showed some as well. Um, they could go in any direction there. And I don't think Sean Davis is a lock. I would say Savage Amos and then probably Levitt. And then everything else is probably up for grabs for two spots. I'm really hoping that Ennis Gaines can put together a good preseason because he is a hit stick. I, I kind of thought that he had a chance to make the roster last season even as a call-up, I was kind of surprised that they were bringing in guys like Sean Davis and stuff like that um, instead of just calling up a guy like Ennis Gaines. But for whatever reason, they just wanted to stash him on the practice squad. I'm, I'm hoping he can make the team because he's a, he's a fun player. The, the two that I think have the, the highest upside here are Davis and Gaines. The, those two to me, like I see, I see something in both of them where I'm like, okay, if, if everything hits just right, like they actually might have something here where like, I don't like, you don't have to squint too hard to be like, I can sort of see potential starter ability down the road. If again, just a couple things go right. Um, I'm, I'm right there with you. I really like Innis. And I think this is the one position where I look at that. I think they have seven um, rosterable players. And that's why I said, I think it can go in a lot of different ways. It would not shock me if all seven of these guys ended up on somebody's 53 man roster at some point this season, five of them probably to start with green Bay. Another one probably gets called up at some point by green Bay and who knows, maybe um, injuries pile up or whatever, but uh, it would not shock me if all seven of these players played on 53 man rosters this year. Jack Coco, maybe the only undrafted free agent rookie who makes this team. That, uh, there's, a, there's a real chance that that's the case. Um, so there's two other ones, I think, um, that I think might have an outside chance. I think Tyler Goodson, maybe, or BJ yep. Baylor, maybe is that number three running back that we kind of talked about earlier. Um, I think if Mason Crosby isn't healthy, Gabe Burkich could potentially mm -hmm. make it as the kicker coming right out of camp until Crosby is healthy. And then I think Jack Coco is the most likely to actually win that long snapper job and be the undrafted free agent that makes the team. Yeah, so he's just getting snaps with the ones over Wordle just every every day, day in, day out. I'm to the point where I'm almost surprised that Wordle is still on the roster and yeah. either just use that spot for something else, or if you want to still make it a competition, like bring in somebody else and have a different competition. Yeah, it seems odd because yeah, as, as soon as camp opened up, it's just every day is Jack Coco is snapping the bursage. You and listen, like, you okay. can't cut Jack Coco. When you have an elite name like that, you cannot cut Jack Coco off your roster. There's there's rules to this justice and uh that's just the way it is. Just a Georgia Tech product. We did it. We did it. One Georgia Tech product might might make the team. We'll see about Tariq Carpenter. There um, you go. All right. Plug plug your stuff again for the people. I want to make sure that that they go to you as a source. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Um, and you can follow my writing on Packer Report as well. I do practice breakdowns every single day. And justice for those of those of the people who are listening on the Packaday YouTube channel, please plug your stuff as well. At J-U-M-O-S-Q on Twitter. Find all my stuff, Acme Packing Company, podcast feed, website, all of that. Smash that uh, on Wednesdays with the uh, SB Nation NFL show if you want to hear my thoughts on the uh the league nationally instead of just the packers do you have a do you have a bold uh packers take before we get out of here who 
a bold Packers take. I'm trying Anything to think spicy? of like what even considers. Well, you you had uh, Amari not making the team on your 53 man roster. Uh, I really don't think that he's gonna. I I just think there's so many guys ahead of like if he loses the punt return job, I think that's he's done. I th- I think really in terms of the numbers at wide receiver, like that's just how it's going to shape up. And maybe he does end up winning the punt return job, but with the way people are talking about Dobbs and Watson's going to come back at some point, like get, get the hand of ball, get the, get the ball in uh, Dobbs's hands. Like what was his first snap at the college level was like a 70 yard punt return touchdown. I think 80 yard, I think 80 yard punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. Have him do that. Have him do that. I'd love it. Yeah, no, Dobbs has been everything is advertised so far. It's been really fun to watch. I'm I don't know if you saw the the play with him and Stokes on the outside that I got did. leaked. I saw was, I saw the clip from a fan because no one else can take videos. Exactly. Down there yeah, and I can't I, even if I retweeted it, I think I'd be in trouble. Even though I wasn't the one who took it. So, um, but yeah, it's that was that's a fun like that's not a that's not a rookie uh, that they're not making that play very often. Oh, no, that's Stokes a runs play. a four two. Yeah, <laughs> he's pulling away from Stokes. It's like I mean, okay. the way he stacked them and then separated and then like just worked to the outside. It was love it. Love and it. he's I'm he's a... making contested plays on the other day. He's he's fun, Justice. He's fun. I'm all here for the Dobbs hype. I need something. I need something this preseason. Let me bang the drum. All, all right, right, let's man. get out of here, man. See you, man. Take care.